0: This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the batmanuniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat Family at the batmanuniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this
1: content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at the BatmanUniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show.
0: In 2008, a podcast was created with one goal. To bring Bat fans around the world news related to movies, comics, video games, television, merchandise, and so much more. And now, the Batman Universe Podcast has returned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the TVU Podcast. I am Dustin, and joining me today is Otto and BJ. We are talking about the Batman. Uh, The Batman is coming out this week. We're going to try to get this episode out prior to the release date of the the actual wide release of the film. Um, Hopefully, to try to get you guys some uh, insight as to some of the things that you may not know about going into the film. But today, we are specifically talking about a prequel novel is releasing uh has released it's called before the batman an original movie novel and it is the the synopsis reads warner brothers the batman releases in theaters march 4th 2022 bringing with it all the adventure and action of one of the most popular superheroes in the world we all know that billionaire bruce wayne is secretly gotham city's vigilante detective and protector the batman but what road led him here him there find out In Before the Batman, an original movie novel, which includes an exciting original story of Bruce Wayne's early adventures on his way to becoming the Batman. This novel features an eight-page full-color insert and pull-out poster. Uh, It's priced at $9.99. We have a link in the description for you guys to check out if you want to purchase it. Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, the hardcover version of it is already sold out online uh, on Amazon. Uh, if you are looking to pick it up, uh, the best option is uh, a digital version for the Kindle. Um, there's also an audiobook of the book as well, uh, available for free if you use Audible. Um, but the hardcover is currently out of stock. So the, needless to say, if you're looking for this book, it's not going to be something easy to track down uh, prior to the film's release. But we have it. And uh, we are going to talk all about some of the major reveals that had come in the book. Because uh, to set this up, two weeks ago, we were talking about some different ideas to do for the podcast. And Otto presented just a couple of like little excerpts of information that he read in just the first few pages of the book. And immediately... There was more information than I had seen in some of the synopses that Warner Brothers has officially released for the film itself. So we wanted to kind of cover those because obviously, and yes, I will say going into this, we are treading on spoiler territory because if you are trying to go into the film with very little knowledge whatsoever, um, it's going to make this isn't going to be the podcast for you because we're going to be telling you certain things. However, we're not ruining anything in the movie because all of these things that happen in the book are taking place before the movie actually begins. So that's important to note. Um, I also will preface this with, I have already seen the movie. I went to a press screening of the film and I've seen it and while I know certain I've seen the film and I know everything about the film I'm not going to reveal any spoilers that are going to ruin anything for the film either knowing what I know and and what we're going to be talking about here so um, but I will kind of try to connect certain things that make sense and certain things that are a little bit more incitive on uh, whether or not the book reveals more information than the actual movie itself because there are certain things that I knew that were in the book going into the movie that really were never really referred to then that's the stuff we're gonna kind of talk about and kind of build because it 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 this book is a, is a way for the movie universe to kind of expand and to get more knowledge that the movie even with its three-hour runtime doesn't have the ability to do so I'm gonna pass the reins off to Otto who read the book and uh, is gonna bring us through these awesome facts going into the Batman
1: all right so uh, first thing uh this is the official prequel novel, from my understanding of it, but I should—I haven't seen the movie myself. I think Dustin's the only one here who has seen the film. Um, I, I would mention, uh, I remember reading the uh, BVS tie-in, the prequels, before that movie came out. And uh, after seeing the movie, the prequel comics had nothing to do with the film. Uh, there was a, a Supergirl tie-in there as well. So while this information is, you know, supposedly or, you know, purposefully from that that universe from the film universe it doesn't necessarily mean that it will be uh, exactly what it is in the film uh, and it, it could be so it doesn't necessarily mean that it's from the films I should say um, the other thing too is this is a really short uh, novel I would even call it a novella it took me like two hours to finish reading the whole thing so if you're interested you can just breeze through it in like a couple lunch breaks or an afternoon or whatever and um, and it's not, like, outstanding literature. and That's no no shade to, to the writer. Uh, the purpose of these is generally to generate interest and hype for the movie and, and you know, give fans a little bit more uh, information. Um, and so to start off with, I mean, there was a lot of information just in the first few pages. Um, I mean, we learned that um, the Waynes had uh, moved out of Wayne Manor when Bruce was six years old. Uh, they move into you know an apartment in wayne tower and then the the manor itself actually becomes an orphanage and we also learn that uh thomas wayne is running for mayor he has a mayoral campaign in fact one of the first one of the first sequences scenes in the novel is a young bruce wayne going back to his old house the old manor which is now an orphanage and thomas wayne is doing a little press event to i think announce his candidacy and uh it's here we we first encounter uh, the young Edward Nashton, I believe it's his name in the the movie Universe, uh, who is uh, one of the kids at the the orphanage. Um, so what do you all think about you know just some of the, the I guess changes to the to the Wayne family origin? even you know these are slight changes. Uh, I don't I don't think Thomas Wayne has ever been a politician. Uh, in any previous uh, Batman uh, film iteration, so what do you all think about that?
2: Yeah, I think it's something different. I know recently they have Thomas Wayne be more of a politician, and then like him being murdered is like uh, kind of like someone put a hit out on him, which which is interesting. I guess kind of takes away the randomness of it. Um, uh, we've always known it growing up as Batman fans. Mind, I like the Wayne Tower aspect because it's closer to the city and I know for a while and lived at Wayne Tower. I think that's pretty interesting. I, yeah, I didn't know. I would like the um, the idea of Wayne Manor becoming the orphanage because I think that happens at the end of Dark Knight Rises, if I remember. I like that idea.
0: Yeah, so connections to the movie. I, I can say that going into the film, knowing just what we've known from the trailers, there's not a lot of information here that we would have known otherwise. Um, A lot of this stuff is actually revealed throughout the film, but not in the larger chunks. It's it's smaller chunks here or there. You find out that Thomas Wayne ran for mayor early on, and then later on in the film you find out Edward Nashton's connection to the orphanage and things like that. So there's, there's not a whole lot of... This isn't like super revealing because it's not... Well, I should say it's super revealing in the sense of it's, it's different than what we're, we're with the common, uh, the common accepted origin of the, the Wayne's is I, I, for as far as Wayne Manor being donated. I think that's, that's different and extremely unique because that means you're never going to see the back cave at the bottom of Wayne Manor, at least within the sense of Bruce Wayne living in Wayne Manor, um, within the Matt Reeves universe is what you would assume. Um, Based off of what I know from the film itself, unless Bruce Wayne took back Wayne Manor, which I can't see him doing since it was intended to be an orphanage, and I won't give away what it is in the film, but it's very unlikely that uh, Bruce Wayne is going to be occupying Wayne Manor in the Matt Reeves universe. That said, it also works perfectly that he is in the middle of the city because he lives in Wayne Tower, and the Batcave is in Wayne Tower. And that that all makes perfect sense because like bj pointed out it's in the middle of the city it puts him in a better advantage to 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 be able to do what he does rather than on the out outskirts of of the city
1: yeah and, and you know on the topic of wayne tower and and the bat cave um, this novel uh pretty early on so we, we fast forward after that initial scene to bruce wayne as a teenager and very early on he has this um secret man cave in the bottom of wayne tower that's connected to uh this old train uh tunnel system uh down there and he he goes down there He set up like uh like a, a gym workout area and uh, an area where he works on a car uh so this version of bruce wayne in, in the novel is from a very young age very interested in uh you know learning chemistry experiments uh, working and tinkering, modifying this uh, old muscle car that he has. And uh, for those of you who are wondering about, you know, uh, Bruce's training program, as a teenager, it says his, his workout routine, uh, as it's described in the novel, is about building muscle not for bulk, but for lean strength and speed, which is, I think, a bit um, different from the last Batman we saw on screen. This one, this Batman seems he's gonna be a little more sleeker. Um, his first, his first trainer is actually Alfred, who in this uh, movie universe is someone who is former British intelligence, uh, and so after a distinguished career, and it, the, the novel mentions that he he walks with a bit of a limp. So presumably Alfred had some type of injury that uh, caused him to be discharged from the intelligence service. But in any case, Alfred is his, his trainer early on. Um, and it seems this Alfred is going to be a little bit more than someone who simply brings him food or tea. Uh, this Alfred's going to be more hands-on, more involved with, uh, with his, uh, with his uh, technology and with his uh, training. Uh, so what do you all think about uh, Alfred's uh, increased role, I should say, in the film? Fell...
2: Like, um, that this Bruce Wayne wasn't really as like driven and obsessed about like his parents' murder, like we're used to. It felt like him learning fighting, like, like from Alfred, like you said, like, that's where he learned to fight from Alfred. He didn't travel across the uh, the world learning different fighting techniques and like picked up like being learning how to be a detective, like almost as like hobbies. Really get the sense in this uh, book, at least, that he was driven by his parents murder to become this, this peak human physical man that can take out anyone at it at a time. It felt like everything was kind of just, he was just going along just to get along.
0: Yeah, I agree. It is very similar. So the connections for the film, it's never actually revealed that, uh, Alfred was part of the, uh, intelligence agency. Um, he does walk with the limp still and but he is definitely more so than just somebody who keeps the manor or keeps the tower. You know, uh, uh, keeps the, does the up upkeep on the to- on Wayne Tower. He in the film is presented as someone who is trying to get Bruce involved with a lot of the other aspects that are outside of just him being Batman. Um, He mentions that there's an accountant coming from Wayne Enterprises to talk to him and he needs to be up there, but Bruce never actually makes an appearance Alfred manages the books for Wayne Enterprises because Bruce isn't taking care of that stuff. Um, there is a brief mention of uh, Alfred saying that they're having an argument or a little bit of an argument early on in the film about how um, Bruce, uh, there was something about something that came up about his father, but they really weren't talking about it. And Bruce, uh, Alfred said, You know, I was never really your father. Uh, or or or, Bru- or he said, I, I, I'm not your father. And Bruce is like, I know you're not my father. And then he's like, listen, you always needed something more than what I could give you. You didn't have a father. I could train you to fight, but I couldn't be the father that you needed. So it is a very different version of, of Alfred than we typically see, because normally we, especially – not so much the Jeremy Irons Irons one, because we didn't see a lot of that, but going back to like the Chris Nolan trilogy, Michael Caine was always like, he was that father figure for Bruce Wayne growing up, and he loved him as a son. This Alfred in this universe, it's not that they don't have a connection, but it's not the same connection you expect a father and son to have. It's almost like they're you know, an uncle and a son kind of situation where the uncle steps in to, to do what's needed because he was the fa- you know he was the father's brother or something like that, but not necessarily something where it's like he's doing what's he, what he believes is the right thing to do, but not necessarily the thing that's required of him to do, as we saw in the Nolan trilogy when Alfred takes, takes uh, Bruce basically as his ward because there's no one else to to take care of Bruce.
1: Yeah and and it's exactly like like that in the novel as well. Um in the beginning Alfred's handling all the affairs for the sort of the Wayne estate. Um and sorry bj I should have um ex- I should have uh, explained that later on in the book in part 2. Um he does actually travel the world and train in martial arts. It says here um you know the method that Alfred taught him was uh referred to in the novel as Bru- Bruce Jitsu, uh which is a <laughs> which is a term that uh, Bruce uh, hates in, in the novel. But it also says that he studied martial arts with masters in different countries, borrowing moves and tactics from each discipline, becoming a truly dangerous uh, fighter. So he spends his early 20s, after his, his teenage years, he spends his early 20s, you know, traveling to different countries, learning from different masters. It even talks about um, he goes from university to university sometimes. Um, so he, he's really changing his major everywhere he goes, chemistry, physics, biology. And he's always picking new fields, and sometimes he picks specific uh, colleges or universities based on a specific expert who's a professor there, just because he wants to, to learn from them. So I thought that was a really good uh, way to sort of design his origins, because in his teenage years, he is sort of that self-starter. He's learning things basically, kind of like off YouTube or whatever, and just trying them on his own in, in his like little man cave. But then, you know, he when he gets a little older, and he's an adult. He starts to put his fortune towards, you know, uh, really learning from actual experts in all these different fields. Um, which just to go back to his uh, his teenage years for a second, um, one thing that really stood out to me in this book is, uh, as a teenager, he's really something of a thrill seeker, uh, specifically with uh, racing cars. So he he has a great passion for this muscle car that he's constantly working on and tinkering with. And he tries to go and uh, join uh, this professional racetrack circuit. And they obviously say no to him because he's Bruce Wayne and uh, they can't afford the insurance if he crashes. Uh, So he decides to um, join this street racing (laughs) competition, which which is basically a bunch of uh, rich kids racing around. Um, And eventually... uh, there's an accident, I don't want to spoil too much of the novel for people who are uh, planning on reading it, but the accident is created by um, a certain Edward Nashton, who has a grudge against these kids, uh, because he has a job uh, in his teenage years uh, delivering Italian food on this little rickety bicycle that he drives around Gotham, and one of the racers almost you know, knocked him over one day, and then he... He decides to push back and that's something that's really you know sort of consistent in the novel where edward is um constantly feeling like he's being bullied or belittled in some way even if that's not entirely accurate uh but just to go back to bruce's personality um what do you think it sort of says about him and and do you think that that kind of recklessness stays with him uh, in the future when he's uh, batman
2: far as the um the street race and stuff like that was a, such a large part of the book i felt like it was like a fast and furious uh prequel novel i was waiting for i to come in and stop talking about family and <laughs> think like that and but i had to but I, it makes sense that bruce is kind of like he wants to move past what happened to him as a child so he's just gonna kind of thing to distract him so i that made sense with um him with the muscle car and to uh race his cars and join the illegal street races and at one point he gets pulled over to let him go because he is bruce Wayne. they recognize him and he just send he like he hates that he hates being recognized as bruce wayne he hates that he can like get away with anything in the city so i found that pretty cool
0: yeah i i will say the street racing thing does not translate to the film at all i mean obviously there is a chase sequence it's a really cool chase sequence Um, But it's also the one that we've seen in the trailer where he's chasing down Penguin. Um, I'm not going to give anything away other than if you've watched the trailer, you've seen a good portion of the ending of the chase. But there is a really cool chase scene in the film. Um, But outside of that, there's not a lot of like. Him using, he, 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 honestly, in the very beginning, he's not even using the Batmobile. He's using a motorcycle for the, a good portion. It's not until later in the film when it makes sense to use the, uh, use the Batmobile that he actually uses it. So that part doesn't necessarily translate. I, I do want to go back to, uh, the thing you were, you, you were talking about with the Batcave though, because the, I, I don't remember I don't think you, I can't remember if you mentioned it here or whether or not you typed this out before, but the idea of the Batcave is like, is obviously the same place that he's got his little man cave that he's got as a teenager, but the Batcave is a subway station. Uh, talk about that. Cause I, I think it, you said it was that, that was the reveal was in the book.
1: Yeah, it is in the book that it's is connected to the subway station. And so when he takes his, his car out in secret, because he doesn't want people to know he's going out, he initially doesn't want Alfred to know about his street racing, although Alfred, of course, finds out about it. And Alfred finds out about the, the cave as well. Um, uh, but yes, he uses those that subway uh, system, that old abandoned subway system, to, to get the car out onto the streets of Gotham
0: yeah and then the back cave itself or the subway terminal station is actually in the base of Wayne tower, and it's because the at least this is if I remember correctly it's because in the older days when you had wealthier families, they would have their own personal terminal at uh the base of a tower so that they could get onto the subway whenever they needed to, and obviously it's hasn't been the same. Uh, it hasn't been used that is in quite some time, and that's why it's it's kind of abandoned, and it, nobody really even thinks about the fact that it's still there.
1: Yeah, that uh, that per- that aspect of it, where it's you know it's a personal transportation system for his family, that is also in in, in the novel as well. Now that you mention it, um, the other thing, I mean, it's kind of connected to the car, I guess, is that the novel really emphasizes the fact that he's something of an innovator. Um, this is maybe something we didn't see as much with uh, the last Batman film where uh, it's more Lucius Fox who was doing the innovating for him. This Batman is someone who does his own uh, innovating. And and as you were talking about before, Alfred's always you know constantly trying to get him to be more involved with uh, the Wayne Company uh, uh, projects and board meetings. And Bruce in the novel doesn't really show any interest unless he absolutely has to be there and then he goes there. Um and there is a there is a scene in the novel where um, he calls one of the department heads at, uh, at his company and he's at Wayne Industries. And he's he says, I need access to your files for uh, I forget what uh, is the actual department, but it's the department that makes all those, you know, bulletproof materials, all that kind of stuff, R&D department. And uh, you know the department head, who's unnamed in the novel, it could potentially turn out to be Lucius Fox down the road. Maybe that is why they left the character unnamed in the novel. Uh, but the, the character thinks it's a joke at first, but then um, he releases the files to to Bruce, and then Bruce starts building this this suit. Uh, and it's described as kind of like a suit of armor, but um, he's building different features into it. He's, in, he's looking at different uh, materials that they have, incorporating it into the suit, and really building it himself. And there was one scene to go back to how uncomfortable he feels in, in board meetings. He says, when I put on like my regular work suit, it it's tailored for me, it's custom tailored, and I feel uncomfortable in it. But when I put on this other suit that is like a suit of armor, It feels, you know, super comfortable to me when he's out there. Um, So what do you think about, uh, you know, Bruce being more of an innovator here? Are you excited for that? Uh, Discuss.
2: I do like uh, Bruce as the innovator because he is, uh, he's always been one of the smartest characters in comics. I remember there was like an internet debate saying like, oh, Tony Stark's way smarter than Bruce Wayne. And I'm like, Bruce Wayne's been building batarangs uh, way before Tony Stark even put a, the iron man on her on. Uh, so is, he can build anything, uh, that he puts his mind to.
0: Yeah. I mean, Iron Man might've been able to build a suit out of a bucket of bolts in the desert, but Batman would have figured out a way to build it out of sand in the desert. Um, (laughs) but, uh, The innovator thing is is awesome. I mean, I I like when Bruce is creating his own stuff. Not that I disliked uh, Lucius Fox's elements within the Nolan trilogy. It worked for what it was. But it was always like the easy way of having some sort of new tech that he was going to use is, oh, what's Lucius got this time around? Let me go see what Lucius is got, uh, you know, what what, what uh, they're working on right now and how I can use that for myself. And that's not to say you can't have that. I, I, I hope that down the line, maybe they do incorporate more of the Wayne Enterprises stuff. And Lucius is kind of his connection to get involved in that is like he makes friends with Lucius and, And uh, they have this connection from, like, tinkering with stuff or whatever, and then that way he actually gets interested in whatever's going on at Wayne Enterprises because it's a company that could genuinely do good for people, but also there's other people that he could be working alongside, um, obviously not as Batman or somebody who's appearing to be Batman, but somebody who is just as interested in some of the technology that they're working on things like that. So. In the film itself, there is a boatload of gadgets that he uses and even some things that I don't know that you would necessarily classify them as gadgets, but things that he pulls out of his utility belt and he's using, there's a lot of stuff. I want to honestly say there might be more things... In this film, than any of the at least the recent films of stuff that he's using. I mean, obviously he's got a grapnel gun, and he has a battering. Um, the really cool thing is that the battering is magnetic and it pops out of his chest. Which that that's not really a spoiler. I mean, he doesn't use it until towards the end of the film, but it's not a spoiler because a lot of the other uh, stuff out there, merchandise that has been announced, including a chair from Secret Lab and a uh, replica Batarang literally say it's magnetic and is supposed to come out of the chest so it's not really a spoiler but there's a lot of different stuff and I'm not going to give away all the different things but there's a lot of different things one of the things I honestly had never seen and people who have seen Black Mirror will get an appreciation of something a certain gadget that Bruce is using that is very reminiscent of an episode of Black Mirror from uh, the Netflix series
2: too something like uh inventor bruce is something that we've never really seen in any movie to be honest like in the key movies like he already has everything right there so see him like build his batarangs i know when uh batman begins he's like sh- he's creating his little uh shuriken batarangs but i do like uh the element of seeing bruce uh create his own uh weapons and tech
1: yeah and i mean he's constantly learning as well as another thing that the novel is really trying to emphasize like there's scenes where you know Alfred's coming to him at, it's like he's at the breakfast table and he's either reading the paper or there's one time where he was reading like uh, an academic forensic article and he's just trying to you know learn more about his you know detective skills and, and add to that and by the way just to add quickly on to the uh the Iron Man making a suit of metal in the desert. As someone who has lived in a desert for a decade, if you make a suit of metal in the desert, you will cook. Uh, it's not the uh, smartest idea. Uh, but be that as it may, um, I guess the last thing to sort of hit on with this with this novel is um, the novel tries to establish some sort of connection uh, between Bruce and Edward, even though it's not a direct connection. They try to, it tries to present them as, as opposites in a way where Bruce is this student who achieves top marks in all his classes, is popular, is famous, etc. Edward is, you know, bullied in the orphanage at school. They call him Ed Weird. Um, He's, you know, we typically think of the Riddler as a a smart character. The novel says that he finishes at the bottom of all his classes. Uh, He's he's not one of the smart students, quote-unquote smart students, but I think... From reading the novel, I think he's uh, someone who is intelligent but just doesn't test well, uh, and that he has some, you know, social awkwardness that perhaps contributes to that. Uh, in the novel, he becomes a accountant. I think it's a forensic accountant, but basically, he's looking for uh, for fraud, and he's he starts. He has that little moment of uh, <laughs> criminal activity when he. Um, you know, as a teenager, he sabotages uh, one of those street races. But later on, as an adult in the novel, he's working at whatever uh, company he's at. And someone in, in the lunchroom uh, teases him about his puzzles and is like, what's the point of doing all of this? And he has unresolved anger towards the orphanage. So towards the end of the novel, he goes back and he tries to burn it down. And he's actually unsuccessful in, in doing that. And then, you know, at the end of the novel, it says it it will never be an orphanage again, even though he he failed at that. Uh, But I'm hoping that his uh, motivations are are stronger in the movie uh, for doing whatever it is he does. The the trailers and stuff that we got uh, leading up to it really promises more of a a mystery that's, you know, geared at uh, corruption, uh, political narrative, etc. And I think maybe the novel doesn't want to give away some of that so i think that's maybe why it shies away from that but what do you think about that sort of the contrast between uh bruce and edward
2: hunger riddler i took as more he he was just as smart as bruce and which he was finished last in his class or whatever towards the bottom because he really just didn't care because it talked about how he was so good at making puzzles and everything he looked at was a puzzle was um like delivering food he would look at the Names and try to rearrange the letters to make new words and in his apartment when he's older he's got puzzles shoved in every cabinet and under his bed and everywhere making his own riddles in that part um with his co it was pretty funny how they were both kind of just right off the jump they were both kind of just jerks to each other like asked the guy how he's doing on his puzzle but they but they just snapped back and forth at each other so it was kind of funny in that like that's like his villain origin story blew up a car when he was a kid and then some guy in the lunchroom was kind of rude to him so he wanted to burn down an orphanage.
0: And it's interesting because in the film itself, they talk about the orphanage uh, was burnt down um, or it had a fire. It didn't necessarily say it was completely burnt down but there's a point in the film where their orphanage comes up and the they, they say the orphanage was, was uh, there was a fire at the orphanage. So, but they never actually say that it was uh, Riddler who started the fire or anything like that. So that's kind of interesting information that you wouldn't otherwise have from the film itself. Um, when it comes to the, like, you know, the, the mirrored version of the characters with one being on the opposite spectrum of the other one, I, you know, we see that. With a lot of Batman's villains in general. I mean, when it comes to the Joker, that's the one that I think a lot of people always say, like, oh, well, everybody has one bad day. It's whether or not you decide to do something good with it or you decide to do something, in the Joker's case, evil or bad. And Riddler is, you know, he's had, you know, not everything is about whether or not you had good growing up. That's not just the only thing that makes you turn into a villain. So sometimes I wish that kind of story would uh, adjust. However, it, the fact that the novel as well as the movie make it very obvious that he's been picked on. And he's not exactly the most popular person in the world. It makes sense that he would potentially go down the route of becoming the Riddler because he's trying to become something that he's not. Or somebody of substance, um, as he puts it in the film, Um, he thinks he's doing this because he's trying to make a name for himself. That's why he's he goes to the lengths of doing everything. On top of the fact that there are other reasons, but he makes this comment uh, during uh, the interrogation scene where he says, "Like, oh well, I did this because everyone's going to know my name now." And the reality of it is that may or may not be true, but. You know, villains have these weird thoughts of like what what is a um, good reason to do things and a bad reason to do things. So, um, I'm you know it's it's interesting that uh, the novel focuses is. On Riddler's and growing up and kind of giving him an origin because the film, as we know, the film does not take place giving Batman any sort of origin. We don't see the the killing of Bruce's parents, which is something that has not has always been seen in every single Batman film that's always come out is, or at least the the, the uh, groups of films that have come out have always shown it at least once, and you always see that, and they specifically did not want to do that in the film. Uh, Matt Reeves said they've, they've done that so many times they did not want to do it again. That's not to say that they don't talk about the death of his parents, but they don't have that like famous scene of them being gunned down in the alley and the pearls going all over the place. That doesn't happen. So the fact that the novel sets a lot of this stuff up and, and kind of explains some of it, it's interesting because you know I enjoyed Batman Begins... In the beginning of the film, specifically because he goes around the world, he's learning these different things, and in this film, it kind of skips that, and it in some ways it almost leaves it open for a potential you know prequel down the line or a, or a prequel series or something where you learn about how he became the Batman or something like that. Um, which uh, I'm, of course I'm saying because I've I've hyped the idea of a early years Bruce or a early. Bef- pre-Batman Bruce Wayne series for ages that's not the crap that we got with Gotham. So um, I would love to see something like that. And the fact that it conveniently starts past the origin, past all of that, and things are just kind of already in the thick of it, it makes sense that they could do something like that in the future if they really wanted to. Um, That said, I think the novel... Um, from the information that we learn from the novel it 's a great way of learning I, I do have to point out though that the novel like you mentioned that the novel was like a you know a quick two hour read for you, and I have to say like uh, the novel itself it specifically was is advertised as it 's a project specifically for uh children it 's it the ages on it on Amazon say it 's from eight to twelve years old. Uh, grade level three to seven, so it's clear that it's it's intended for a much younger audience, which makes perfect sense um as to why it's so easy to read and it's easy to get through but it it's interesting that we don't have anything like this that's more adult oriented like there used to be a time when you'd have like tie-in comics uh graphic novels that would be comics that would come out that would tell. Even if it was the exact same story of the film itself, they would tell the story of whatever it was through the graphic novel or comic format. And I'm surprised that they don't have anything, because if they did something like this book but turned it into a comic, I think a lot of people would appreciate it, or at least people who already appreciate comics. But I know what the point of the book was, so it makes sense to be what it is.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think uh, a comic or even a, maybe an adult novel would have been... Uh... Better. I mean, the, as you said, the purpose of this is clearly an all-ages read, just to you know sort of hype people up for the film. It's not. I don't think it's meant to be you know like a great novel or whatever. I think it's just uh, like an extended advertising almost. It's it's interesting actually that you mentioned um, you know that that scene with Riddler uh, talking about everyone will know my name. As as we know, the the Riddler as a character typically. Very egotistical, uh, a lot of narcissism. And that's actually one of the things in this book that bothers him about his previous criminal activity. So he he mentions like he gets a bit of a thrill from, um, you know, blowing up, sabotaging the race, from setting fire to the orphanage. But at the end, he he comes down from that thrill and he feels like, well, they still I don't get credit for it kind of thing. Um, And so then he has the idea, well, what if I start leaving clues at my crimes? And that's kind of like how the the novel ends. Um, So his need for credit, I guess, is um, that's where it comes from. Is you know, not really seeing the results from these crimes. The the last thing I guess I I want to talk about, actually, is um, there is a so the the street racing story as a teenager, there is a girl that he meets. He has a a crush on her name is uh, she goes by Dex. Her name is Dorothy Alexander. Um, and then later on in the novel, years later, when he's, you know, he's become Batman and he's out there for the first time, he encounters someone who is um, on the streets trying to commit a robbery using explosive gel. And this, the way this explosive gel is described is very similar to how it is in the Arkham games, where someone, like, applies it or sprays it and then hits a remote button and it explodes um, so he stops a robbery and then tries to track the dealer of this military grade explosive gel, and ends up being, um, that girl Dex. Uh, but the reason that she's doing it is because her father has been, um, you know, wrongfully framed for a crime by someone who's, uh, working for Carmine Falcone. And, you know, Penguin has a brief scene in this, uh, not really worth mentioning to be honest, but, um, Anyway, he, he helps Dex, and then um, gets her to you know gets her extricates her from the situation, clears her father's name, and uh, doesn't really ha- pursue her anymore after that. Just kind of helps her and says, okay, this is this is it. Uh, but what's interesting is that he has a partnership with someone on the Gotham Police Force named uh, Lieutenant uh, Dure or Dure. I'm not quite sure how to say the name. It's spelled D-U-R-E and uh what he does is he sends his uh forensic reports to her in an envelope with a little bat symbol on the paper at the bottom i thought it was interesting just because um dex i I guess was kind of a stand-in for selena kyle and this lieutenant is kind of a stand-in for Gordon. uh i'm not sure if uh that lieutenant or dex in the movie uh maybe you can just briefly say yes or no The, the answer
0: is no for either one of them um It is weird that they would have characters that are introduced uh, that are basically stand-ins for other characters that exist. I will say it makes perfect sense that he did not meet Selena Kyle prior to the events of the movie because when they meet for the first time, you can tell that they've never met before. Um, So that makes perfect sense. For the Jim Gordon one, however, uh, when the film starts, he's already like like BFFs with Jim Gordon. I mean, like it's, he's, he's right there. Jim Gordon and him are working together a lot, like probably more than any of the other films ever. Um, Like they are working together on all kinds of stuff. Uh, And the bat signal exists, but it does not exist in the frame of how you expect it to be. Um, But Jim Gordon is involved with that as well. So, um, that's the one that I, I guess I don't know why they wouldn't have had Jim Gordon if, if uh, Batman is Batman and has a connection to the uh, GCPD because in the film it literally starts off and he's, he's already partners with Jim Gordon in a way.
1: I yeah, I think I saw one review that uh likened Jim Gordon's role in this movie to Jeffrey Wright's other role as Felix in uh, The Bond films. Okay. Uh so I I guess he's he's very much a partner uh, yeah. for Batman in there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh Josh's uh spoiler-free review uh, if anybody's looking for a spoiler-free review uh, over on the site uh named basically said that his character is like Robin. Um, which I thought was amusing because it's very it, i I it is very much it almost feels like Robin. Like Jeffrey Wright feels like he's a fanboy of Batman in the sense of like he knows Batman can do things that he can't, but he's not gonna stray from the side of the law. But he has no problem acknowledging that Batman can stray from the side of the law. So it is uh it's a, it's a unique relationship. It's very different than the Gary Oldman and Christian Bale version from the Dark Knight trilogy. And honestly, uh, that's the only really other main one to compare, but it's it's very, very different. It's, it's almost more like the animated series where Gordon and, and Batman have like a very close relationship to the point where they're having coffee with each other on New Year's Eve.
2: I was shocked that it wasn't um, Jim Gordon, too, that I was the cop, especially when a few pages after you read that, they throw a random Penguin appearance in there.
0: All right, so that is the novel itself. Uh, hopefully, you guys get a little bit more information going into the film. Uh, we didn't want to, obviously, spoil the novel, as Otto said. We don't want to spoil the novel if you do want to pick it up or if you do want to check it out, and obviously, we didn't want to spoil the film. That said, I did see the film. I would strongly suggest that everyone go see it. Um, it's a really, really, really good film. Um, currently, uh, if, anybody makes, if this makes a difference to anybody, it's certified for on Rotten Tomatoes, which for a lot of people that doesn't mean anything nowadays. Um, but a lot of reviews put, put, gave it very, very, very high marks. A lot of the top tier entertainment sites uh, actually gave it perfect scores, which was really cool. Um, I would Personally, I would say that it's my favorite film out of all the Batman films uh, that have released. Um, I, li- I really like The Dark Knight. I have like a personal connection to the film because of when the film came out and how I started TV and all of that but this film has like so many more things that I would want in a film not even a Batman film but just a film with the suspense aspect of the film and the detective element and all of that it's so much better than um uh, than what you would expect um that doesn't mean that Riddler uh, or Paul, Dan- Paul Dano's uh, Riddler is a better character than Heath Ledger's Joker, but that's not. To, but that that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about specifically just the film as a whole. Uh, the score is amazing. The acting is really good. Everybody who's in the film does a great job of what the, the with the role that they have. There's very little things that I can complain about, and I will say there's a lot of things that. Comic fans are going to pick up on that you'll appreciate. You'll see little things that potentially hint at other things that could happen in the future. I can think of three off the top of my head that I know for a fact people are going to be talking about and comic fans will be talking about and it sets potentially things up for the future, and it'll be really interesting to see what happens with the the future of this franchise, because it's going to have a great, great start, and honestly, personal opinion, it'll be a better start than Batman Begins did, because I think this movie is going to easily surpass a billion dollars. It'll be like the Joker, where the Joker came out. I think a lot of people saw it for the novelty of seeing it, but then people started saying, Wait, this is so much different than what we would expect. Word started spreading, and a lot of people who wouldn't have seen the film start going and seeing the film. I think that's what's going to happen with this film. The people who are going to see it are going to see it, and they might go see it a second time, or you know, hardcore fans might go see it a third time. But I think the mainstream fans are going to, or the mainstream moviegoers are going to start to hear about what's going on with the film and they're just going to have to see what it's all about just like they did with the Joker back in 2019 when that came out. So um, definitely go see it. Um, and if you are seeing it and you are looking to pre-buy tickets, please head over to the website. We do have affiliate links for Fandango and Adam tickets. Um, be sure to use those because we do get a small commission on those purchases um, for that. Outside of that, uh, if you are interested in anything related to the Bat Fandom, be sure to head over to our website, thebatmuniverse.net. For all kinds of news, original content, and other podcasts related to movies, television, merchandise, video games, comics, and everything else related to the Bat fandom, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Discord, YouTube. All of our social links can be found at the top of our website. And, uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can send us an email or send us a message on Discord. Our email is tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. And, uh, we will, uh, we'd like to hear what your thoughts are on for the Batman because the next episode we record, we'll be talking, giving our spoiler review of Batman. Um, and, and we'll be talking about that. So look forward to that on the next episode where we all talk about the film and what we liked. If there's things that we didn't like um, and those hints that I'm talking about because I want to talk about those really, really badly. So, all right. With all of that being said, uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the TBU Podcast. For BJ Adel and myself, we'll see you guys next time.